Well, today we've come to the end of our study of John. We've been following John through our classes and the sermon time for all this fall. And in fact, the reading that we have today happens after the end of John. And I know if you were in Bible class, you're well aware of that. But it's interesting. It's a familiar story. And even if you've never heard this story before, it will be familiar And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Let's be standing, please, as we hear the word of God as recorded by his faithful servant, John. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No. They answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. And jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. May God bless the reading of His Word. Have you ever had that kind of eerie feeling that you've been somewhere before, or that you've uh, met someone before, or just kind of like all this has happened before? even though you knew it really hadn't. Now, the French have a term for that, which I know you know that term, déjà vu, which roughly translated means seen before. We've already seen this. Now, New Age religions and Eastern religions, some of them say that these experiences are kind of proof of a previous life that you lived. You know, those who believe in reincarnation say that sometimes you'll be coming along and you'll do something that you did in a past life, and that past life kind of breaks into your present life and you begin to put it all together. I don't know about that. I prefer the more scientific term for this experience, paramnesia. And basically the explanation is that you've done something like this. Uh, You saw something like that. Or maybe you've met somebody that that looks kind of like someone else that you've met before. And and you kind of put those things together and you get that funny feeling that I've been here or done this before. Now, I kind of think that the disciples were experiencing that very thing in this story that we just read. Because they had every reason for this to remind them of something else. They had every reason to feel like they had done this before. Why? Because they had done this before. That's right. 
This is a fascinating text because our story really happens at, after John has already ended his gospel. If you back up to chapter 20 of John, you see at the end there, after Jesus had appeared to all the apostles except for Thomas, then he comes back and he appears to Thomas as well. He says a wonderful blessing that, that is really just the perfect ending for the book of John. It says, he says to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Well, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have come to believe. Now that's you. That's me. Uh, That's a blessing that Jesus pronounces on us because we have not seen Jesus with our eyes like the disciples did and like Thomas did. And yet we've come to believe in him. And isn't it wonderful to hear the words of blessing that Jesus places upon us? But then John concludes his book, says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing, you may have life in his name. Period. End of book. The screen grows dark. The house lights start coming up. And just when you're about to get up and walk off, All of a sudden, the movie starts again. Surprise! Great composers of the past have loved this little technique to catch people off guard. Uh, Joseph Haydn wrote 108 symphonies. That just boggles my mind. Beethoven wrote nine symphonies. Uh, Haydn wrote 108 symphonies. And he had a great sense of humor. There's a lot of stories. About, well, I better not get off into Haydn, but uh, he, he's, he's someone that really fascinates me. But Haydn, the 90th symphony and the 94th symphony are called surprise symphonies because he loves to, to build up the symphony and it finally gets down to the end. And if you listen to symphonies, you know there's just these little clues that come along. It's almost over. It's almost over. And then all of a sudden, boom, and it's over. And everybody that loves classical music is going, oh, it's over. And everybody else is going, all right, it's over. And we get to leave. And just when everybody, the audience stands to leave, then all of a sudden the symphony starts again. Tchaikovsky did that in his fifth symphony as well. It's just little tricks they like to play. Well, John has kind of played a little trick on us. We think it's over. And I can just imagine those people hearing John read for the first time when those words got there. They maybe were ready to rise and applaud and say, wow, what a wonderful gospel. But the movie starts again. And in the movie, we begin to see some familiar characters. We see Peter and Andrew and James and John. And Nathaniel appears again. We haven't heard anything from Nathaniel since all the way back in the, the first chapter. And then there's a couple of the other guys that we have watched through all of this. You got to love this. Because you ever go to a movie and you wish you knew what happened to these people after it's over? Um, Gone with the Wind has always been that way for me. I, that movie, uh, it seems like it, they show it so much on television. The other night, I was going surfing through channels and saw it again and had to stay up past my bedtime just because it was almost to the scene where uh, Prissy says, I don't know nothing about birth and no babies. I just had to hear her say that one more time. Yeah. 
But you always wonder, well, what happened to all these people after it's over? Well, here in this movie, we get to find out. We get to find out what happened to them. And what does Peter do? Well, Peter stands up and says, well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to go fishing. Which makes sense. He'd been a fisherman all of his life. Until that day that he had decided to drop it all and to follow Jesus. Three years ago, four years ago. And now they had played through the great drama. And even though Jesus had appeared to them and they were still trying to process all this that was going on. It seems like all Peter could think to do was to go back to work. Let's go fishing. I wonder if he felt kind of defeated in doing that. After all, he had seen marvelous things done. He had had great dreams, and here he was fishing again. The guys that went with him, I, I just imagine those scenes. I like to play these scenes out in my mind and ask questions that the Bible really isn't, doesn't intend to answer and doesn't answer. But I just wonder, as they went back there and they got their boat rigged up for fishing again, whether or not some of the other fishermen who were getting ready to go out that night, because they always fished at night so that they would catch the fish, bring them in at the early part of the day and bring them to the markets for all the shoppers to come and have fresh fish for the day. I wonder if some of those other fishermen that had been there all through those three or four years that Peter and Andrew and James and John had been gone and following the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, I wonder if they said, well, that worked out good, didn't it? Here you've missed, you know, three or four years worth of income. You've been out following this guy around and what do you got to show for it? Well, they didn't have anything to show for it that night. Because as the story tells us, they go out and they fish all night, and yet they caught no fish. And fishing was a hard thing to do. You know, today when we talk about fishing, we usually think of recreational fishing where we just go out. But we need to think about the the fishing boats uh, that we see sometimes on the coast where they go out and they work hard to bring those fish in. And back then you had to do it all manually. You had to throw the nets out Pull them back yourself. So all night long, they'd been casting that net out and pulling it back and casting it out and pulling it back, growing more and more frustrated that they weren't catching anything. For all that work, they would have no way to earn any income, and probably all their income had just about dried up. And so what were they going to do? Well, finally, as the sun begins to rise, the sky grows light, first rays of dawn turn it red and then orange and then yellow, They're making their way back toward the shore. And there's a solitary figure standing there on the shore. And he calls out to him. And isn't it fascinating how far you can talk to someone across a body of water like that? But he calls out to him and says something kind of frustrating too. He says, boys. He doesn't say, hey, guys. He doesn't say, you men out there. He says, boys. This translation said friends. I don't know where they get that. It's boys. Boys. You hadn't caught anything, have you? Don't you love those positive people in your lives? (laughs) Well, you blew it again, didn't you? But that's the way Jesus asked this question. He says, you haven't caught anything, have you? You can hear their rather tight-lipped reply, no, and thanks for bringing it up. He says, well, why don't you try again? Why don't you cast your net on the other side of the boat? 
ooh, that eerie feeling starts creeping back in, doesn't it? Seems like we've been here before. Seems like we've done this before. And so they cast the net on the other side of the boat, thinking probably there's not any fish on this side of the boat, there's not any fish on that side of the boat. But as they began to pull it back in, and all night long it had been empty, as soon as they start trying to pull it back in, yeah, there's that old feeling. There's that old weight. And they begin pulling, and they realize that, that the net is so full of fish that they can't even get it into the boat. And as they realize all of this, it's John that finally turns to Peter and says, it's the Lord. Yeah, they'd been here before. If you read the Gospel of Luke, way back at the very beginning, before they had gotten themselves into all of this, this preacher teacher had come along and they were fishing and this time they were already on the shore and they were mending their nets or cleaning their nets and he had said, hey guys, can you let me borrow your boat? Can you take me out a little ways? This crowd just keeps pushing and pushing on me and I need to get away where I can teach them and so they took him out and sat there just right off the shore so that the crowd was a little separated from him and he taught. And you know that story, how after it was over, after the teaching was over, he said, let's go out and fish. Put out into the deep water and let's go fish. And they said, we're worn out. We fished all night. We didn't catch anything. But if you want to, okay. So they went out there and he said, now throw your nets over. And they do. And wow, same thing. All these fish, they start pulling them in. When they finally get the fish back to shore, Peter being the experienced fisherman that he was, knowing these things don't just happen like this, realizing that he is in the presence of someone who is totally different than any human being he'd ever been around. He falls before him and says, Lord, go away. You can't run around with someone like me. You don't want to be in my presence. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus used that opportunity to call Peter, to invite Peter, to say, I choose you, Peter, to come and to follow me. And if you come and follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. Well, you know all of this had to be just going like crazy through Peter's head. Along also with what had happened since then especially over the last few days, during the time when he had stood and three times said, I don't even know who that man is, when he had deserted his Lord, when he felt like once again, Lord is going to go away from me because I am a sinful man. And yet there he was, there he was, standing right there, calling out again. It was all happening again. And all Peter could do at that moment was to jump in the water and start swimming as hard as he could to get back to Jesus. Because he knew, he knew that when he had been with Jesus, things had been good. Tough, but good. He knew when he had been with Jesus, his life had meaning, he had purpose, it was rich, and it was full. And now he had been back fishing again. And saw how empty a life that was. And when he had the moment and the opportunity. And the realization that Jesus had come back and was calling again. Then all he could do was jump in 
and swim as fast as he could to get back to Jesus. Now, you see, this is where this story quits being about Peter and Andrew and James and John. It becomes about us, doesn't it? Because almost every one of us in this room today has heard the call of Jesus in our lives. In some way or other, Jesus has called, come, follow me. And almost every one of us has answered that call at one time or another. And we can remember whether it was walking down an aisle in a church building and making that good confession that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and climbing up into the baptistry and being baptized so that you could wear his name. Or maybe it was on a creek bank somewhere at camp or some special experience where you were out and out of the ordinary. And you you call that back to mind and, and you remember at that time he called me and I answered. And it was good. And you remember those days of how good it was and how rich it was and how full it was. Tough, yes. But he was with you and you were with him. And it was a good way to live. But for some of us in this room, after all of that, we've just gone back to fishing. Forgot about it. Moved on. Been busy about the things that we're busy with. And when we stop and think, we think, you know, it's not as good as it was. It's not as rich as it was. It's not as full as it was. And the question comes to our heart and our mind, would he take us back? Maybe not exactly the same words that Peter used when he says, you've got to leave me because I'm a sinful person. But just wondering, would he take us back? Just like he came back for them, he's come back for us. The second time, the third time, the fourth time. And if today you hear his voice calling, then the best thing you can do right now is jump in and swim as fast as you can to get back to him. Let's stand and sing.